SEP Fanfic Readings Presents A Thousand Words by Olive Juice 28 Chapter 19 Puzzle It Out Monday morning dawned and Hermione could barely contain her excitement. She had spent the whole of Sunday afternoon in the library, figuring out exactly what she wanted to do as Draco's secret Santa. She had decided to focus on his love of potions and his interest in riddles. She had sat at a table in the back corner of the library, books piled up around her and parchment spread everywhere. The idea had come to her that she wasn't going to lie. It was a right impressive one. She hoped she would agree. Maybe he'd hug her again. Maybe if she could manage to give him his gift under one of the bunches of mistletoe Luna had hung. She choked on a sugar quill that she'd been nibbling on. Getting a little ahead of ourselves, aren't we? Now it was time to begin. Hermione had brought her first clue into the girls' bathroom with her since that was the closest doorway to the fireplace, and peeked out into the common area. Even though no one was there, she cast a quick disillusionment charm on herself just to be safe, and scurried over to the mantel where the stockings were cheerfully hung, waiting to be filled. She dropped a small bottle with a note tied to it in Draco's stocking, and ran on tiptoes back to the bathroom. Breathing a huge sigh of relief that she hadn't gotten caught, she resumed getting ready for the day. During breakfast that morning— Hermione refused to look over at the stockings, lest she draw attention to herself. They hadn't made a rule about when you should leave your clue, simply that it had to be done every day. She forced herself to eat her bacon and eggs as if nothing was new, but completely stopped breathing when she saw Draco come out of his room. For a split second, he looked like he was going to walk over to the fireplace, but then Theo came out of his own chamber and immediately started talking to him, so the two friends headed straight over to the table instead. She painfully swallowed her mouthful of food and was chasing it with a large gulp of tea when they sat down, Draco directly across from her and Theo next to her on her right. She thought she saw a scowl flash across Draco's face when he watched Theo sit down, but it was gone just as quickly as it came. On Hermione's left, Hannah brought up their latest NEWT study session, and everyone joined in the conversation. No one noticed that Dean had wandered over to the fireplace until he called out, "'Oi! I think some secret Santas were up early!' Everyone turned their attention to him. He grinned and pointed to three different stockings. Hermione, Luna, and Draco. You might want to check yours. Draco met her eyes across the table, which she knew had widened in surprise. Ooh, you have to go check, squealed Hannah. Soon as I finish here, Draco drawled lazily as he spread strawberry preserves on his toast. I'll go, Luna's airy voice floated down the table, and she stood up and drifted over to her stocking. Reaching in, she pulled out what happened to be a small drawstring bag. She walked back over to the table, stopping at the end so everyone could see. There's a note, she announced, taking a small rolled-up piece of parchment from inside the bag. It was tied with a shiny blue ribbon. She unrolled it and read, Making sure the Nargles stay away. Then she reached into the pouch and took out a handful of butterbeer corks, gasping in delight. I needed more of these! She looked up at the group, smiling from ear to ear. I gave my necklace to one of my first years back in September— when she was feeling rather homesick, and haven't found enough to make a new one yet. She looked at each of her housemates sincerely. Whoever's my secret Santa, thank you. She skipped off to her own room to put her gift away. Hermione was so glad Luna's gift was such a success. Being the first one, it set the tone for everyone else, and it had been a very sweet one. Other people might have laughed at a big bag of corks, but she knew how much Luna loved her quirky jewelry, and obviously the secret Santa knew too. Smiling to herself, she went to take another bite of her breakfast, when Neville leaned across the spot next to Draco. "'Well, what are you waiting for?' "'Oh, well, I was just going to grab it on my way out.' She trailed off as everyone around her started complaining. She glanced up at Draco to find him smirking slightly. 
as if in challenge. She huffed, planted her palms on the table, and hoisted herself up. Fine, she sighed dramatically and stalked over to her stocking. Reaching in, she felt a thick envelope. She pulled it out and saw that it was a pale pink color, with white roses printed in one corner, edged with gold. It was very pretty. She walked back over to the table, standing at the end the way Luna had. She carefully opened the envelope, not wanting to rip it, and pulled a card out, the front of which was a lovely watercolor scene of two people, a man and a woman, walking in a garden. Their backs were displayed to the viewer, though they were looking at each other, and they seemed to be dressed in clothes more fitting of a century or two ago. She smiled at the beautiful image and opened the card. Inside, a border of gold made a square around a small paragraph that she recognized instantly. I declare there is no enjoyment like reading. How much sooner one tires of anything than of a book. When I have a house of my own, I shall be miserable if I have not an excellent library. Hermione was beaming when she finished. This was a passage from one of her favorite books, Pride and Prejudice. Now the card made sense. The couple on the front looked very much like Elizabeth Bennet and Mr. Darcy. She had to stop herself from squealing in appreciation and instead settled for smiling wildly at the table full of friends. This is perfect, she breathed happily. Thank you, whoever you are. Hannah, Dean, Anthony, and Daphne all returned her smile. Theo and Neville had turned their attention back to their breakfast, and once again she thought she saw a frown on Draco's face. She hurried to her room to put her card on her dresser, thinking that her secret Santa could really be any one of them, since it was no secret how much she loved books. Stopping to admire the artwork again, she tried to remember the last time she had read that particular work. Maybe she would do so again over the holiday. She chuckled to herself, excited for the rest of the week. She had forgotten that there was still one more clue to be revealed. As she walked back into the common room, she froze when she saw Draco standing in front of his stocking. Most of the housemates were gone from the table, collecting their bags and heading for the door as they waited to see what he'd received. But he and Theo were together, heads bent over the item in Draco's hand. Knowing that it was her clue, she was torn between running out the door and sticking around to see his reaction. Padma made the choice for her. "'Could you help me with this?' Padma asked, walking over towards her, awkwardly holding her long, shiny black hair in one hand and balancing her bag on the other." It appeared that her hair had gotten tangled in the strap, and she couldn't see over the shoulder to fix it. Hermione carefully helped unwrap the silken strands, smoothing them out once they were all free. "'All done!' "'Thanks,' said Padma, relieved. "'Draco, what'd you get?' she called over to him. He turned, and both boys headed back towards them. Draco had a thoughtful, quizzical look on his face, and Theo was grinning. Draco held out his palm to the girls, on which sat a small bottle with the note tied on top. "'Each day will bring you just one more.' Keep them all to build your store. If you can guess the name that's due me, then you will know just how to brew me. He then held the bottle up by the top and said, I'm pretty sure this is tincture of time. He gave the bottle a slight shake, causing the greenish liquid to slosh. It's used in a variety of potions, which is clearly what I meant to brew at the end of the week. He seemed to be pondering this idea. But if I can't guess the name, does that mean I can't brew it? Theo chuckled. I think you're taking this way too seriously, mate. It's not a potions exam. Draco rolled his eyes at him. I know that not, but I want to brew it. He sounded petulant, like someone was telling him he couldn't have another cookie. Hermione giggled and Padma snorted, causing Draco to focus his attention on them, his eyes widening. We'll be late for class. He strode to his room to drop off his clue, and they all met up again at the door as they headed to the first lesson of the day. By the end of that Monday, everyone had received their first secret Santa clue. At lunchtime, Dean pulled a small bundle of twigs tied with a bright red bow from his stocking, which caused everyone to laugh because he had absolutely no idea what to do with them. 
Hannah had found a pretty polka dot hair scarf in hers, and Anthony had received a scroll of ancient runes, which he had immediately set to work on. When they all gathered for dinner, Neville discovered a pot of dirt with a note that alluded to planting something, which he was very excited about. Padma received a lovely peacock feather quill, while Daphne found a small stack of brightly colored fabric squares tied in a silver ribbon. Theo's clue was a black chess piece, a knight. Hermione noticed that he seemed to swallow very hard, and clutch it very tightly when he unwrapped it from the piece of red tissue paper it was in, but not in anger. The moment passed, unnoticed by the others, and his easy grin was back on his face, thanking whoever considered him to be a knight, winking roguishly at all the girls. Friday of their secret Santa week had everyone in a frenzy. Each of them had received gifts all five days, and everyone was trying incredibly hard not only to figure out who had their name, but who everyone else had as well. Anthony and Theo had taken to guarding the stockings at random times to try and catch various Santas in the act of leaving clues. Daphne had started asking ridiculous questions, trying to trip her housemates up and get them to admit something. Luna just made everyone slightly uncomfortable by saying things like, "'I already know who has you,' and smiling dreamily off into the distance. No one knew for sure if she really did, because she refused to respond to inquiries on the topic. Her main concern happened to be whether or not the mistletoe was being taken advantage of, or not. Hermione was uncertain if this meant that she worried too many people were standing under it, or that no one was. So far, she had only seen Neville standing under one bunch that was right near the door to the hall, bright red in the face after having received a kiss on the cheek from Hannah as she left for class. By the end of the week, Hermione had four new cards displayed on her dresser, alongside the first one that referenced Pride and Prejudice. There was one with a photograph of a lush, green, mossy forest on the front, and a passage from The Hobbit inside. Another had what appeared to be part of a very old treasure map on it, with a passage from what she later learned was a book entitled Treasure Island. She had started to think Thea was her Santa, since they had talked about the first two books earlier in the term, but then the third card threw her off. She had never heard of that book before. She was also only vaguely familiar with the fourth, which turned out to be The Great Gatsby. The quote from that one was the shortest of them all, but instantly became her favorite. Reserving judgments is a matter of infinite hope. The picture on the front of the card resembled a vintage postcard of the seashore, with the sun peeking up over the horizon. With that one, she started to wonder if it was Anthony, because he was another voracious reader, and was often prone to deep reflective thoughts. But on the last morning, she found a beautiful, ornate image of a young man and woman who could be none other than Romeo and Juliet— and the quote inside proved her right. O serpent heart, hid with a flowering face, did ever a dragon keep so fair a cave? Beautiful tyrant, fiend angelical, dove-feathered raven, wolfish ravening lamb, despised substance of divinest show, just opposite to what thou justly seems, a damned saint, an honorable villain. She was back to thinking it might be Theo, since this was another story they had discussed, but then she wondered if perhaps it could be Draco, with the mention of the dragon. Regardless, she knew she would find out the following night at the Christmas party, and right now her focus needed to be on putting together the remainder of her gift for him. Draco, at that very same moment, was pacing back and forth in his room. On Monday, he had received the tincture of time. On Tuesday, a jar containing a Mertlap tentacle. On Wednesday, a carton of Occamy shells. Thursday brought him a small, drawstring pouch of powdered common rue. And Friday... He had found a whole Ashwinder egg in his stocking, carefully cushioned inside a wooden box. 
Several of the items were very common in potion-making. The Akami eggshell was curious, as he only knew of three or four potions that used that. The Ashwinder egg was even more intriguing, since they were rather hard to come by. He had never brewed anything with that one. He had spent a fair amount of his free time poring over potion books in the library, but still wasn't a hundred percent sure he knew what this was. If these five ingredients were all that were needed to create the potion, he was completely stuck. Nothing he had found used only those five. However, if his secret Santa provided one or two other ingredients tomorrow at the party, he could be well on his way to make one of the most difficult potions of all. He smirked to himself. Whoever was his Santa definitely knew him well, and his insatiable need to solve a riddle. At first, he thought it might have been Theo, who had known him better than the others simply because they shared a dorm all those years. But Theo had been rather secretive about his clues this week, and Draco got the sense that it was someone else. Daphne had grown up with him, too, but this didn't seem to be her style. After several more minutes of pacing and thinking, he decided it was time to put together his final gift for Neville, who had seemed very pleased with all of the herbology-related clues he'd received so far. Draco had started off with a pot full of dirt— on the next day, he put a pouch containing puffapod beans in Neville's stocking. He had overheard Neville tell Hannah that he had used a spoon to plant them, because he couldn't find his trowel, which gave Draco a fabulous idea for his final gift. He had to admit, he had felt really good all week, seeing everyone's smiling faces and feeling the excitement in the room. It gave him that warm feeling again, every time he saw Neville exclaim excitedly over his latest clue, or when he found his own clue in his stocking. He supposed this is what it must be like to be surrounded by people who genuinely care for one another and are willing to show it. It was a sensation he was getting used to, and was surprised to find that he enjoyed. Speaking of sensations, he was trying his damnedest to keep things light and friendly with Hermione, but found himself searching for her every time he entered the room. He stopped himself twice, just in the last week, from inhaling noisily when she walked by, simply because he found her vanilla apricot orange blossom scent addictive— once, while they were working together over a cauldron and potions, she had leaned too far forward and her hair almost went into the bubbling liquid. Without thinking, he had caught her curls and brushed them back behind her shoulder. She had jumped and stared at him with wide eyes while he hammered out an explanation, which he barely managed because all he could think about was how soft they were, and how he wanted to stink his hands into them again. She had seemed flustered by that interaction, but not upset or repulsed by it. She hadn't pushed him away. He noticed she never pushed him away. Draco spent a great deal of time these days waffling between two frames of mind. On the one hand, he was hopeful. Hermione had made it clear that she considered him a friend. She had forgiven him for his past misdeeds, and had treated him with the same open and honest thoughtfulness she showed everyone else all term. He knew she wasn't afraid of him. He also knew, or at least he thought he knew, that she found him intriguing. He'd caught her watching him more times than he could count. Sometimes she would immediately look away, her cheeks turning pink and being found out, other times, she would smile softly and then turn her attention elsewhere. Of course, this meant that he spent a lot of time watching her as well. She also seemed perfectly comfortable with random moments of physical contact, sitting close enough to touch, both reaching for the same book, a friendly nudge over a joke. He'd had his arm around her that one time, a month ago, when she'd been crying, but nothing like that had occurred again, and they never talked about it. But overall, she seemed to enjoy his company, and he wondered if she could ever see him as something more than a friend. On the other hand, he chided himself for even entertaining the idea that someone as sweet and courageous and good as the Gryffindor princess would ever look twice at someone like him in that way. She might have forgiven him, might believe in his redemption and accept him as a friend, but she knew what he was. He was selfish and prideful and emotionally repressed. 
He struggled to let people in and loathed the idea of anyone seeing his weakness. It's why he never had any real close friends before. Crab and Goyle were more like henchmen, and the rest of the Slytherins in his year gave him a wide berth. He had actually been surprised at how quickly Theo warmed up to him this term, seeing as the lanky brunette had previously kept him at arm's length. Not that Draco wasn't grateful. He knew he was a coward and a traitor in the eyes of many, though the opinions of former Death Eaters didn't matter to him. Hell, he was a former Death Eater. Not really. He heard her voice in his head whenever he would go down this negative path of self-loathing. She would try to talk him around from it, he knew. Just that fact alone. The fact that she wouldn't want him to think this way about himself. The fact that she knew that he never wanted that mark, or that title, made his heart swell. He wanted nothing more than to run across the Carmen room, burst into her chamber, declare his feelings, and gather her up in his arms, mad as that may seem. He sighed. That was not going to happen. At least not today. Tomorrow night was the house Christmas party, and he had never been so nervous about a social gathering in his life. He had Neville's gift all wrapped and ready. He had all his clues, five different ingredients, and the riddle from the first day, set out on his dresser. He was really hoping his secret Santa was Granger. If it was, he had a small gift for her, too. He knew that that wasn't part of the game, and if it was anyone else, he wouldn't have bothered, but just in case it was her. He wanted to thank her for all of her brilliant clues. If this Santa was someone else, he would just put her gift away for another time. He paced his room four more times before calling it off as a bad job and grudgingly getting into bed. Tomorrow evening could not come soon enough.